Hello, church. Hello, hello. It's good to be with you. Your service today, this morning. How's everybody? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. To our friends who are online, we are so glad that you're with us today and that we're actually with you as well. And to all the homies holding it down in Hayward, we're glad to see you too. And uh, just glad that we can be able to join together and open up God's word and fellowship. You know, I was talking with a sister this morning about what is it about Resonate that uh, she's been here for a long time. And what, what is it about the, the different seasons and waves of Resonate that has been something that has kept you here? She said, I mean, I have relationships with people, friends, family here, and the fellowship has been so important in all of the different seasons of my life. And, and really, as a church, like that's, that's one of the main reasons why we come together, because God's brought us together through the gospel so that we can experience a new kind of life and community together. So I'm thankful to be able to be with you today. Uh, our sermon today is going to be a continuation in our Free Indeed ser- series And after the sermon, as you heard, we're going to be celebrating baptisms, which is just absolutely, it is a visual display of a miracle, of something that God did in someone's life. And so we'll be able to do that. Uh, The goal and the aim of this series, though, has been to talk about the things that keep us in bondage. And if we're honest, all of us are captivated by something, all of us to some degree, are in bondage to something. And it is keeping us from experiencing, um, and I don't mean to be coffee cup Christian here, but the life that God always intended, that there's actually more that God intended uh, for us to experience. And it's, it's the bondage that we actually put ourselves into. It's not like it trapped us and, and, and brought us away, that we actually, whether intentionally or unintentionally, step into that God wants to free you from so that you can experience more. Today we're going to be talking about being free from being a people pleaser. And how many of us here would consider ourselves people pleasers? Um, Okay, the few of us, maybe probably more. And what I mean by that is we make a conscious and intentional effort all the time in order to make other people happy But really, underneath, it's to gain their approval. Now, this is different than serving someone else or just wanting to make someone happy. What we're going to be talking about mostly today is when this act of people-pleasing is in order to gain approval or actually improve your own standing uh, at work or at home and whatnot. And so this comes in in a very unhealthy way. And I would say this, um, it's... It's a bigger problem than probably most of us would consider. But what I want to show you is there's freedom in it, and there's freedom through the gospel. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, it's probably about 90% of the way through your entire Bible. It's in the New Testament. It was written by, uh, by Paul the Apostle, and I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be reading 13 verses here, so buckle up. Paul says this in verse 1 of chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, 
But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witness, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And this is God's word for us today, and God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. To help us see how people-pleasing impedes our entire lives how God wants us to be free from it, I, want to con- I would like you to consider this pathway for our sermon today. First, we're going to talk about a desire to please God. Then we're going to talk about our tendency to please man. And then finally, we'll talk about the path to pleasing God instead of man. First, the desire to please God. Um, there's something in all of us that desires acceptance and approval, and that in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's, it, that, wanting people's approval um, is not, again, in and of itself a bad thing. Um, in fact, in 1985 at the Academy Awards, um, some of us may have seen this video or maybe we watched it live. Uh, most of us probably didn't watch it live. But 1985, Sally Field won the Academy Award for Best Actress for her performance in Norma Ray. And her speech is like one of the most iconic speeches. In fact, You've probably heard it parodied in uh, either movies or TV shows or uh, others because it was so memorable. She said this, in a frenzy of joy, she says this, I haven't had an orthodox career and I've wanted more than anything to have your respect. The first time, meaning the first time she won an Academy Award, I didn't feel it. But this time I feel it and I can't deny the fact that you like me. Right now, you like me. Now, as I say those words, you're like, oh, yeah, I have heard that in other things. Now, uh, these three sentences from Sally Field reveal a a treasure trove of Easter eggs that we could talk about in terms of her motivation. But in the interest of time and your attention, I'll just point out the obvious here. Sally Field desperately wanted the approval of her fellow actors and entertainers. And to her, receiving this second Oscar was the affirmation, according to her, was the affirmation that she was looking for, that this was the thing that uh, was the proof that people liked her. And again, approval and acceptance isn't a bad thing. To be affirmed for who we are and what we're doing is a natural desire, and to give approval to people for the good job that they're doing uh, or just the job that they're doing is, uh, is, is a good thing. One of the things that struck me in the first weeks 
The first Sundays that I was here at Resonate was listening to our pastor affirm people who were serving on Sunday morning. Just thank you for being here. Thank you for serving us. And it wasn't lip service. It was, no, I want you to know I'm, we are so thankful for what you're doing. You are contributing towards the gospel going out. So that's a good thing. To give approval, to give acceptance is a good thing. Um, but Paul knew, ultimately, where his approval and acceptance came from. Paul sought and had an approval that was more than just the approval of men, but came from somewhere else. In verse 4, he says, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So Paul's words here tell us something here that the most important approval and the approval that actually sets you on the life that God uh, has ordained for you, has planned for you, is the approval of God. That that approval matters more than any other approval. In fact, it was the catalyst. It was this approval from God that launched Paul into his missionary journeys. It was that approval that made Paul say, if I am so loved, if I am so full of grace and mercy and forgiveness, if I am such a new man, then my desire is to please and serve the one who has given me this approval. Paul's approval, where once he found his approval in men, which you can read about in Philippians 3, Paul now finds it in the Lord, and it set a trajectory for his life. Look at verse 1. He says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not on vacation. Our coming to you was not in vain. We had been suffered. We have shamefully treated in Philippi. Yet you know the boldness in our God to what? To declare the gospel to you. Paul, because of this approval, is fighting the good fight, running the race, keeping the faith, in order that many would come to faith in Jesus, to plant churches. That that approval, I'll put it to you like this, that approval from the apostle, excuse me, from God into the apostle Paul, you can make a very strong argument, is what led us and brought us here today. Why? Because as men and women who find their approval in God, their desires, the desires in their hearts begin to change as ones to, I'm not looking to please myself, but I desire to please God. And what is, what is, what, what is all of the scriptures pointing to? What is, what is the entire purpose of Jesus coming to earth? It's the redemption of mankind. And so in this approval that we find in God that cannot be taken away, that cannot be sinned away, we recognize, God, what is it that you're doing on this earth? You want people to find their approval of you. You want people to find restoration and redemption and and forgiveness of their sins. You want them to know how much you love them. I'm on board. Since I've received it completely from you, I want to be on board with what you're doing. And see, that doesn't happen that, that kind of mentality, that kind of life trajectory does not come from finding approval from other people. Here's why. Because even if, let's say there's all of us in here get really excited and we, we approve of one person to go and plant a church, not God, just us, eventually that person will either burn out or turn it into something for their own devices. But see, the approval of God, it changes you from the inside out. 
And your desire is no longer to, to live in fear of God as if he's going to crush you for your sins, but you know he's lifted you up out of them and set you on a new path. Unlike Sally Field, who works so hard for the approval of the academy, Paul's approval not, comes not from his works, but from the gracious hand of God through Jesus Christ. And this is important. It's what leads Paul to say in Galatians 1.10, I'm not seeking the approval of man. I, I, I'm not. If, if I was trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. If I was trying to win the approval of man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So again, what, what is Paul saying? Paul's motivation to please God was not to gain his approval, but it was actually, it wasn't for God's approval. It was from God's approval. You see the difference there? There's a difference between I'm working to please God and serve God for his approval, which many of us find ourselves in, which we, because the, the enemy has convinced us or we just don't understand the gospel, and so we're working for God's approval. But see, the disciple of Jesus, who's growing in his understanding of the gospel, says, I'm not working for, I'm working from, out of God's approval. That's a huge difference. We, we, that, that is everything. I'm not, I'm, I'm raising my kids not for God, in God's way, not for his approval, but from his approval. I'm serving in my community not for God's approval, but from his approval. You apply, you apply God's approval through Jesus Christ to everything and it changes everything. And yet, and yet there is this tendency in us to seek our approval in people. Paul says we're here not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. And what if our motivation in service and all the things that we do is not for God, not out of God's approval, but for man's approval? What if our desire is actually to please people rather than God? I mean, what this looks like to please people, to seek people's approval, um, this is the yes men and women in your office where you work. These are your children when they tell you what you want to hear. This is when we never confront someone over their sin because we're just trying to keep the peace. This is when we tell our spouse the things that they need to hear, want to hear, just to get them off our back. Um, this is the person who, this is the, the people in our small group and our MCs um, that's trying to tell a more salacious story than the last one just to get people to think, wow, that's a crazy story. It's lying to someone to manipulate them. It's saying one thing with the intention of doing another. It's exhausting yourself to make people happy, even though the thing that you're doing for them isn't good for their very soul. It's buying your kids new things just to shut them up. It's making promises at 3 a.m. so you can go back to sleep. I mean, I... I I didn't mean, I actually didn't mean for anybody to raise their hand. I forgot, to, I meant to not say that. <laughs> but I mean, I, just, just by, by these alone, I mean, I don't know about you, but I see myself on this list. Yeah. Um, and even within our, our, our Christian culture, sometimes we cast people as people pleasers, like it's this cute personality trait. Rather than calling it out what it is, it's sin. It's sin. 
in trying to please everyone, there's this little question uh, that it will hamper. And here, here's the reality. When, when we're more concerned about pleasing people, we're no longer serving them, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And when we're no longer serving them, we're no longer concerned about their sake for the gospel. Now, it becomes something that I'm trying to do for myself. Uh, in the text itself, Paul uh, points out three different um, sinful motivations uh, or, or uh, ways that we go about this. The first one he talks about is flattery. Now, I don't know if you know this, um, but the Bible is not a big fan of flattery. It never speaks about it well. And I know we say, like, oh, you flatter me, you know. Um, I don't know. Uh, and, and, and I'm not trying to get you to change your language and, and you know, um, but the Bible never, in, in Psalm 12, it says, may the Lord cut off all the flattering lips, the tongues that make great boasts. Job 32 says, I will not show partiality to any man or use flattery toward any person. Romans 16 says, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites, by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, flattery is a form of people-pleasing where you say something, you're using your words so that you can get what you want. It's a form of manipulation. Um, and the scary thing is how easy it is to do this unintentionally. I think maybe it's related to our sense of self-preservation, you know. I mean, many of us, um, you know, maybe we remember when we were kids and, like, we were, like, just getting talked to from our parents and so we just felt like we need to tell them anything that they need to hear in the moment. So maybe you got in trouble and so all of a sudden you start trying to, like, compliment your mom about, you know, you're 10 and you're like, oh, wow, mom, great shoes, you know. <laughs> 10... 10-year-old, just whatever it takes. Like, mom, these scrambled eggs, did you use salt? You know, like just whatever it takes, whatever it takes. But what are you doing? All you're doing is you're trying to, you're using your words as a 10-year-old to get back into the good graces of, of your mom after getting in trouble. And you're like, ah, oh, kids, we do it all the time. We, because here's the thing, in, our, in, the, in the darkness of our hearts, we know what people need to hear in order to get them on our side. Because we're, because we're sinful people um, and we're, we're broken and we're in need of gospel repair, but we just kind of know. You, just, you look at someone, you're talking to someone, you're like, I know how to get, you know, it's, it's yeah, it, it, it's dangerous. And we do it because um, we're trying to control the situation. You know, and when you're using flattery you know, it, 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 for, it, it, it comes out in a different way, too, because say you have somebody who's, who's telling you about a sin in their life, and they're, and they're confessing it. And the response is, again, you're not wanting things to get messy or inconvenient, which is accountability, right? And so you, in, in order to keep the peace, your response is, oh, man, that's not so bad. Oh, man, everybody does that, you know? Hey, and, and so what are you doing in that moment? You are using your words to flatter this person so they stop talking so you don't feel guilty about not holding them accountable. 
Because as soon as you start to walk the accountability path, like I said, it's messy and inconvenient. But see, what if a brother or a sister, if the Lord has given them courage to, conv- to confess sin to us, ought we not, as we're taught in the New Testament, to exhort them and restore them and to build them back up and walk with them? It's not just flattery, though. Sometimes our motivation is for greed. Paul says that. We didn't come with words of flattery, nor with a pretext for greed. Sometimes our motivation for being people pleasers, and this this goes along with flattery, um, but it's just for our own selfish gain. I mean, think about it. Have you ever done something for someone just so that you could uh, uh, get something good in return? Right? Somebody calls you up, and you're like, hey, man, can you help me move? And you're like, oh, man, but sweet. Then I'll have them in my pocket right? So you go for like, you're like, oh, I can only help for an hour, right? And, uh, and you show up like at the end and you get that slice of pizza, right? And, and you're like, check, marked, helped them, right? And then you can be like, hey, remember that time I helped you move? Hey, can you help me uh, redo my bathroom, right? But I mean, you know, again, like it just, it just happens and it, we won't even think about it and it just happens, you know, we'll say yes to extra assignments from our boss so that we can move ahead. Of course, our family might pay the price, but, but just so that we can advance. We'll work hard and do things for our spouse because, you know, we kind of want some compensation, right? If you dig, right? Like, we'll, we'll do extra chores so that we, right? Come on. Listen, I know all of these because I've done all of these, okay? And my guess is, if we're honest, that many of us will happily do something for someone else in order to get something in return. And the last motivation here is for personal glory. He says, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, Remember, Paul has come to Thessalonica. You can read about it in Acts 17. He's come to Thessalonica to make disciples and plant churches and see the gospel continue to take take root. And uh, and and this letter is like a follow-up after going there. But he says, I didn't come here for my own glory. Um, And I mean, this, this whole idea of glory is very similar to our own personal gain. But how easy is it to manipulate people and tell them what they want to hear and please others just because we're actually just trying to improve our own personal brand? Um, we want people to hold us up in esteem and glory, and so we'll do whatever necessary to gain this position. Now, Paul positions people-pleasing as being opposition to serving the Lord. And I know that that might be hard to admit, but many of us adopt a philosophy of being a people-pleaser We're insatiably hungry for people's approval. And the problem with people-pleasing is it only wins superficial change. It only has temporary gains. Being a people-pleaser, making people happy all the time, trying to get your way subversely is exhausting because just like lying, you have to keep track of what every single person wants. Because if I'm going to please everybody here in order to get what I want, there are 700 people in this room. There, there are 150 people in Hayward, and how many people are online? If I'm, going to, if I'm going to try to get what I want, I have to keep track of what everybody wants, and that's exhausting. 
And you can't do that. You can't do that. It also breaks relationships. Because people sniff out what you're doing. Jay, you seem to always show up at the end of a project. You always seem to, like they sniff it out. They get it. They know what you're doing. They'll be fooled for a little while, but people will figure it out. And now, essentially what you've done is you've lied to them. You've, you've created this false narrative for why you've been complimenting them, helping them, seeking their advice, whatnot. And I, I think being a people pleaser at times also leads to great cowardice. And I've spoken about this already, but so often, so often we, are, we find ourselves in a place where God has, again, given someone courage to confess sin, or somebody who is not a, not a believer, not a follower of Jesus, begins to show openness, begins to, like some doors begin to kind of crack open, and we just have an opportunity to love someone, speak truth into their life, and it would just be easier to turn the conversation another way because I'm not, I'm not in a place right now. I, it's, it, again, it's inconvenient. I don't want to get laughed at. And so I'll just say a nice pleasantry to kind of make the moment kind of dissipate and then move on. And that's cowardice. And the word says that the Holy Spirit gives us a spirit of courage and boldness and strength. Yet, there is a pathway to pleasing God and realizing and recognizing and living in our approval. The question is, how do we move from being a people pleaser to pleasing God? <clears throat> and this question draws us back to what Paul found and what Paul acknowledged, which is that his approval does not come from men it doesn't come from his works. It doesn't come from the things that he does. His approval comes from Christ and Christ alone, the work of Jesus. And so what we find here in the, in the passage is actually uh, three different pathways that help us to continue or to grow in being one who pleases God rather than one who pleases people. The first is this, and we find it in verse 8. It says uh, it, it's to keep the gospel as the focus. Paul says in verse 8, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, but also our own selves. The, of, of primary importance, Paul comes into a town and he wants the people there to hear and respond to the gospel. Paul was convinced that the gospel message, the gospel, uh, the, the, the truth of the gospel was the key, the power, the juice, the strength, the answer to all of life. In Romans 1, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. In Galatians 1, 6, he says, I'm he's speaking to another church, and he says, I'm astonished you've left the gospel to follow another gospel, which, by the way, there is no other gospel. There is only one good news. There's only one source of good news, and that's found in Jesus Christ. So if the gospel is our focus, our growing focus, we're, we're, we're always asking the Lord to, to refocus our lives and, and give us new direction, new clarity on the gospel, then God becomes or remains the hero of our story, not us. Our hope, our strength, our focus, our dreams all revolve around him, specifically 
his incredible, unending love for us. The gospel is simply this, that you're loved in spite of your sin, you're accepted in spite of your record, you are made righteous and whole because someone else became your sin and restored you back to life. That you have approval in God, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. I mean, do you know why we preach the gospel in every sermon, why it's paramount in our MCs, why we go to great lengths to make sure it's celebrated in everything that we do? Because what else are we going to talk about? What else are we going to celebrate? What else are we going to throw ourselves to? What else is it that we cling to in the darkest storms of our life? What is it that do we, ought we celebrate in moments of great joy? What is it that refocuses our hearts when they're in seasons of great dark sin? It's not us. It's not Resonate Church. It's the gospel. So keep the gospel to focus. Also, number two, serve others rather than please them. Again, verse, look at verse eight. <clears throat> it says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we're ready to share with you the gospel, but also our own selves. The key difference between being a people pleaser and serving others is what the desired outcome is. When we are people pleasers, the desired outcome centers on us. But when we are serving people, when we're living as servants, the desired outcome is on the other person. It actually has nothing to do with us. That I'm willing to die first. I'm willing to go and put myself on the line for your good, your benefit. Not because I'm trying to get anything. In fact, I have no expectation of getting anything. If I can give everything to you so that you might flourish, well then all I'm doing is reflecting the work and the mind and the heart of Christ. Look how Paul describes this sort of service. Verses 9 through 12. He says, we know what you need. We're going to be gentle mothers. or We're going to be like a father who exhorts and encourages. We're ready to share the gospel. We're laboring for the good of others. We're not just putting up a hashtag. We're not just putting something on social media. We're actually laboring, working for others. We're living out blameless conduct for the benefit of others. Like, did you know that our conduct, our, 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 our living, our righteous and holy living that we receive out of the approval, that we live in from the approval of God, as we're striving to live holy, set-apart lives, that's not so that we can score points with each other. There are no points. We think there are, but there are no points. That's why everybody's allowed to come to church. <laughs> that's why everybody's allowed to come to the throne. Because all of us are, are just wretched in ourselves and then Jesus puts his righteousness over us and we walk in that and learn how to live in a righteous and holy way. And Paul says, we did that for your benefit. We wanted to show you a different way to live. Something that was different from what you had always known. So we're serving others. Again, isn't this the model that we're, giving, that we're given from Jesus himself, which you can read about in Philippians chapter two, that Christ came to be a servant and put the needs of others before his very own. So I'm supposed to be like Jesus in my servant service towards others? Yes, because Jesus did it to you first. Finally, we remember our calling. Look at verse 12. 
Paul says, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but at what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Now by calling, Paul is not simply referring to the mission that God has called all of us to, to be reflections of his grace and his mercy in the world, it's also the calling of being his sons and daughters. And Paul wants his readers to remember, you've been called out of an old life. You've been, you've been rescued. You've been rescued as one who was wandering as, the, as the, the prodigal son in all of his filth and decay, the father calls you home. God has already called us to him and to be in his kingdom. He has already given us his word out of love. He's already opened our hearts to receive who he is. And the fact that God already calls you means that you live from a new identity, not for an identity. Again, do you see the difference? Friends, I think so much of our lives, we're living for something rather than living from something. And this is exhausting. This is exhausting. And maybe the reason why you are feeling so incredibly spiritually drained, there's nothing in the tank, and you are wayward, and you are confused, and don't know why. You did, I didn't think Christianity was supposed to be like this. It's not. Ask yourself this question. Are you living for the approval of God? Friends, you already have it. And the proof of that is through the work of Jesus Christ. If you ever doubt, if you ever doubt, does Jesus love me? Yes. Because he died for you. I want us to live to please God because he's already pleased with us. I'm going to read to you, I want to read to you uh, the people pleaser's prayer as we close our service. The author says this unto the Lord. He says, Lord Jesus, we are profoundly grateful for everything you've accomplished for us and for your ongoing work in our hearts and world. The pressure is off. We could never save ourselves, change others, or fix the universe. Indeed, because of your finished work on the cross, our works our deeds of doxology, works of worship, and labors of love. We no longer work to get anything from you, but because we have all things in you, we work from your acceptance, not for it. Hallelujah! The gospel destroyed a wage-earning, merit-accruing, advantage-producing relationship with God. We are rich by you, in you, and for you because of you, Jesus. You took the bankruptcy of our sin on the cross and robed us in the riches of your righteousness. So should we receive any rewards or crowns, we know their destination is at your feet, not on our heads or in our trophy cases. We are grateful, Jesus, very much so. So we pray in your quintessentially awesome name. 
Amen. Let's praise God for this truth and reality for us today.